From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where Michelle discusses the issues of the day with The Conversation's politics team. Hi, my name's Amanda Dunn. I'm the Politics and Society Editor for The Conversation and I'm speaking with Michelle Grattan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amanda. Michelle, the government's really struggling to get its industrial relations legislation, which extends multi-employer bargaining through the parliament before Christmas. Workplace Minister Tony Burke has given concessions and he's indicated that he's willing to give more. So why is the big hurry to get this through? Well, certainly you're right. There's a big, big hurry and the government's going to push the bill through the House of Representatives over the next couple of days. And of course, it has the numbers there, but not in the Senate. And it says the rush is because it wants to get wages moving as quickly as possible. And this will strengthen the hand of uh, employees, for which um, many would read the unions to force some wage increases. But actually, I think it is very much because it is under pressure from the union. Sally McManus from the ACTU has been talking out strongly today and uh, the unions want this done and dusted. They don't want a delay. They don't want time for pressure to build up against the changes. Now, the bill is an omnibus bill and it's got a number of uncontroversial things in it. For example, moves to help reduce the gender pay gap. But the big debate is around this multi-employer bargaining and that's being fought by the business groups uh, which want substantial amendments to it. So I think that there's going to be a, a lot of uh, intense negotiation uh, over the, the immediate future. And of course, that's already begun. Okay, and as you say, the government has the numbers to pass the bill in the House of Representatives, but it will need one more vote beyond the Greens in the Senate. That makes David Pocock, who's an independent for the ACT, a major player on this, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. David Pocock and, to a lesser extent, Jackie Lambie from Tasmania. But all the focus is really on Pocock. He's uh, from the ACT, as you say. He's progressive on uh, most issues and the government will be looking to him over coming months and years to support legislation. He was perhaps under some criticism for not being tougher in talks on the climate legislation, which he voted for in the end. And he's certainly wanting to extract some concessions on uh, this bill. And he is objecting to the haste. He thinks that the bill should be split into the uh, more and and less controversial parts, that the multi-employer bargaining provisions relating to the very low income people uh, should be uh, split off. and, And he supports that, but he has worries with some other aspects aspects of the legislation. Okay, and meanwhile, the United Nations Climate Conference, which is called COP27, has begun in Egypt, but Anthony Albanese isn't there. Why is that? Basically because I think uh, the Prime Minister is very aware that he's been doing a lot of travel and he has a lot of travel coming up. He leaves for uh, three summits uh, at the end of this week and he thinks that uh, he needs to be seen in Parliament. So he's argued that this 
conference is one of implementation rather than new commitments like the Glasgow one was. But nevertheless, of course, implementation can be as important as new commitments because that's all about getting things done. And uh, there are a a number of issues. Uh, The most important one being discussed is a possible new fund which uh, would look at uh, the damage that extreme weather events have caused some countries, developing countries, and there's pressure on developed countries to put money towards uh, that fund, although uh, the developed countries are very careful not to call it compensation, not to accept liability for such damage. Now, Australia's position is that it wants uh, its assistance basically in our region to the Pacific rather than uh, more generally. What the government's done is send uh, a junior minister to this uh, first week of the conference and then Chris Bowen will lead the delegation in the second week, Chris Bowen, the climate minister. Anthony Albanese has come under some criticism for not going, but basically not a lot of criticism. All right. And the government had actually talked about trying to bid to host one of the COP meetings in 2024, but that's been pushed back, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It turned out to be far too ambitious uh, a goal. It would have uh, required uh, negotiation to make it the uh, the turn of, um, of our area because uh, it's in fact the Eastern Europeans' turn in 2024. And now the bid will be for 2026, and we'll see how that goes. All right, Michelle, on another matter, the election donation figures were released this week, and they showed that the six so-called Teals, who won uh, lower house seats, ran expensive campaigns and had a lot of money backing them, as well as a lot of small donors. Now, this is perhaps not particularly surprising because we know that, unfortunately, it does take a lot of money (laughs) to be elected to Parliament. But these figures show that, for example, Allegra Spender in Wentworth and Monique Ryan in Kuyong each spent more than $2 million on their campaigns. Now, Teal candidates are also running in the Victorian election this month and the New South Wales state election in March, where there will be spending caps. Will this make a difference to the Teal candidates there? I think it will make some difference. Teals argue, of course, that the electoral playing field is very much tilted to the big players. So the money they received at the federal election helped, if you like, to untilt the playing field. So the state elections, I think, will be an important test for this Teal movement in tougher circumstances. And we'll get a bit of an idea about whether the the movement, um, they of course uh, say rightly they're not a party, but they are a, a sort of a movement, whether the movement has long-term viability. It'll also be interesting if the federal government decides to include spending caps in its proposed legislation to reform federal donation laws. At the moment, it's waiting for a parliamentary committee uh, to report on what reforms uh, are favoured, and uh, certainly that committee is looking at spending caps. 
and therefore uh, the crossbenchers, the teal crossbenchers who are in Parliament at the moment uh, would face a, a, a more straightened circumstance in fighting the next election. On the other hand, of course, they will have established their names in Parliament by that stage, so their need for funding mightn't be as great, but nevertheless they do need money and, of course, they need to establish records and uh, that they are independent of government and so are worth continuing to support in, in their electorates. All right, Michelle, great to speak with you as always. Thanks very much. Thanks, Amanda. Our theme music is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.